0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: everyone and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. This is an all-age service and it will be led by our Minister Katrina. We're also very grateful to Leo who's playing for us this morning. Thanks very much Leo. Please stay and have a cup of tea or coffee with us at the end of the service. Then this evening at seven o'clock the Reverend Roger Sturrock will lead our evening worship. Just note that's a change from your order of service.
2: Thank you, Anne. looks like we are uh, especially select this morning, but that's okay. Who knows who will come in when we start singing the first hymn. It usually works. Today we have a distinctly Welsh theme to our service, which is good because we are looking at the life of Mary Jones. I can't say it with a proper Welsh accent, but I can at least say Mary rather than Mary. Um, And we're reflecting on some issues, some thoughts, not issues, some thoughts that arise from her story. We're going to hear as our call to worship Psalm 100 in Wycliffe's translation. Wycliffe's translation was probably the first widely available translation in the English language as it was at his time. All earth, sing ye heartily to God, serve ye the Lord in gladness, enter ye in his sight in full out joying. Know ye that the Lord himself is God, he made us, and not we made us. His people and the sheep of his pasture, enter ye into his gates in acknowledging. Enter ye into his porches, acknowledge ye to him in hymns. Praise ye his name, for the Lord is sweet. His mercy is without end, and his truth is in generation and into generation. So let's enter into the sight of God in full out joying. Sounds like a great way to come to God. And we're going to sing our opening hymn, which is a really well known and beautiful hymn Love Divine or Loves Excelling. this morning were originally written in Welsh. I'm not even going to try to read them in Welsh. I haven't a clue where to begin and it would be rather unfair to ask Jeff to read them all. So they will be in English translation. And after our opening prayer we'll join together in the Lord's prayer in our own first languages. So let's pray together. Lord God As we come before you, we are mindful that your word speaks of the mystery that surrounds you and your intentions. A mystery that has been kept hidden through the ages, but in Christ is now disclosed to your people. And so, although we are still unable to fathom all the mysteries that surround you, we come before you in faith and adoration wonder and thanksgiving you are the God of wonders who created the universe yet you know even all the birds of the air and not one sparrow falls without you noticing you are the God who is everywhere yet always by our side you are a God who is eternal timeless but come to us in time you are the God on whom many have turned their backs yet we see your face whenever we seek it you are the just God who abhors sin yet you loved us so much that you sent your son to redeem us How can we not wonder that we have such a God? How can we not rejoice in you? How can we not thank you? How can we not love you? How can we not serve you? O Lord, honour, glory and praise are yours
0: but deliver us from
2: evil. For, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and, and ever. Amen. In the beginning, people sat around fires and told stories, recited poems, and sang songs. Grandparents remembered. Children learned, and the story of God was passed on and on and on down the generations. And it came to pass that a time came when there were so many stories to tell, so many songs to sing, that people started to record them. Learned men, and it was men back then, would carefully copy the words onto special scrolls which were treasured for the stories they contained. Time passed and when Jesus had grown up, scrolls of the stories and songs had been collected and translated from Hebrew to Greek. Synagogues had their own copies of the scrolls. Boys would learn to read And it was a real honour to be invited to read from a scroll on a Sabbath. Jesus told lots of stories and taught many things. People came to listen to him. And then they would go home and tell their family and their friends what they had heard. Most people still couldn't read. Hardly anyone could write. The only way to keep the stories alive was to sit around the fire and tell them, just as their ancestors had done. As the stories of Jesus began to spread far and wide, a missionary called Paul began to send letters to the believers (coughs) in the places he'd visited. (coughs) These letters were read out to everyone who was there and kept very safely. What they still loved best, though, was to tell the stories of Jesus. As time passed, Mm -hmm. the people who had met Jesus grew old, and people realised that the stories could be lost. People started to collect the stories of Jesus and to write them down. Four collections of the stories were especially treasured, which we now call the Gospels. Time passed, the church grew and spread. A couple of years went by and people started to wonder, out of all these books and letters, which are the important ones? The ones that tell us the story of Jesus in and through the life of Jesus. There were a lot of disagreements, but eventually they decided which ones to include in the Bible. For hundreds of years, Bibles written in Latin and they, were, and they were hidden away in monasteries. Monks would carefully copy out the words adding beautiful patterns and pictures. Most people still couldn't read and most people didn't understand Latin so they had no idea what the priest was reading to them. And Sadly, they didn't get to see the illustrations either. Over many centuries, people began to translate the Bible into their own language. These are some of them from our own island. About 500 years after the time of Jesus, Cateman was a monk in Whitby Abbey in what's now Yorkshire, who used songs in the language of his time to share the stories of Jesus. Around the same time, another monk called Bede carefully translated the whole of John's Gospel from Latin into his own language. A couple of hundred years later, King Alfred of Wessex, inspired by his wife Judith, translated part of the Bible into Anglo-Saxon. It was around a thousand years after the books of the Bible were agreed that one of the most famous Bible translators, (coughs) John Wycliffe, Translated the whole Bible into England, English, copying it all out by hand because printing had not yet been invented. Suddenly things changed with an exciting new invention the printing press. It meant it was possible to produce lots of copies of the Bible quite quickly, and for the first time, ordinary people could own a Bible. William Tyndale was the first person to publish an English-language New Testament but he had to flee to Antwerp to do so because the authorities back home didn't want people owning Bibles. The first copies to arrive by ship were seized and burned on the quayside as soon as they arrived. So Tyndale had to make smaller copies which could be hidden inside sacks of flour. Perhaps he was the first Bible smuggler. Soon afterwards, Miles Coverdale produced the Great Bible, which was authorised for use in churches. It was called Great because it was huge. Coverdale later <coughs> travelled to Geneva, where a pocket-sized version of the Bible was used. And that is, was used by many of the early Baptists. James VI felt there were far too many versions of the Bible going around. And actually one good translation should be used by everyone. The authorised version of the Bible was produced in 1611 and used almost exclusively in the English-speaking world for around 300 years. In the last 100 years or so, oodles of different versions of the Bible in English were published. I think James would have been horrified. Children's Bibles and storybooks, and even board books, told old stories for a new generation. And now as the story continues, another technological revolution has arisen. Bible software on computers, tablets and smartphones. Braille and sign language open up the scriptures to new groups of people. Access to the ancient stories becomes easier and easier. (coughs) But here's the mystery. The stories only come alive when people read or hear or watch the stories, sing the songs and pass them on to a new generation. We sing again, all God's people, come together, worship the King. today we meet Mary Jones Mary was born on the 16th of December in 1748 I think all of our folks so far have been born in December it was clearly a good month (laughs) I'm bound to say that though aren't I her parents were weavers in the tiny village of I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong but Jeff can put it right afterwards Ffynhaniel I Penant, or something like that's it, properly, Jeff. Penant. That one. was kind of close, and, and the name of that means the Church of Saint Michael near the head of the stream. And in fact, a lot of Welsh place names are very descriptive. They sound incredibly poetic to us who don't know the language, but they're just practical descriptions. And this village um, is found in Snowdonia, in in Wales, and around. And today. Around about 300 people live in that village, so it's still very tiny and in fact it's shrinking. As a baby, Mary was baptised in the parish church. Her family were very devout Christians and they began to attend the Calvinist Methodist chapel where Mary would hear the Bible read in her own language of Welsh. She marvelled at the stories that she heard and dreamed of owning her own Bible, but her widowed mazot was poor and mary couldn't couldn't read maybe it was an impossible dream a free school was opened and now mary could learn to read she would walk 2 miles each way to visit a farmer's wife who owned a bible and allowed her to read it mary learned that welsh bibles were being printed by the spck in london but they cost a lot of money, possibly three and six, three shillings and sixpence, at a time when the average wage for a skilled worker was around ten shillings. The figures are a bit disparate, depending which source you look at. But anyway, they they were expensive. Undeterred, Mary took on cleaning, cleaning jobs, saving up the pennies she earned until she had enough money. Hearing that the Reverend Charles in Bala had Bibles for sale, Mary set off on a 26-mile journey, walking barefoot and carrying her boots with her to wear when she arrived. This is probably the route she took, which is now commemorated in the Mary Jones Walk, or Mally Jones Walk. Arriving in Bala, Mary sought out Reverend Charles and told him why she'd come. She was heartbroken when he told her he had no Bibles and was waiting for some more to arrive from London. What should she do? He arranged for Mary to stay with his maid until the Bibles arrived a few days later and then sold her one and possibly gave her three. The stories vary. This is Mary's Bible in which she wrote her name and an inscription, interestingly, in English. During her lifetime, she read right the way through her Bible four times. Some of the versions say that Reverend Charles gave her three Bibles, all of which had been originally promised to other people, and other versions say he gave her just the one. But whatever the truth is, she went home with her Bible and left a huge impression on Reverend Charles. At the age of 28, she married a weaver. The couple never moved far from their roots. They actually um, lived in a village about seven miles from where she grew up. They had six children, and one of those emigrated to America. When it became clear that the SPCK had no further plans to print Welsh Bibles because they were doing other things... Reverend Charles sought out like-minded men and the British and Foreign Bible Society was formed, with others emerging soon afterwards. Scottish Bible Society began in Edinburgh round about three or four years later. Wycliffe Bible Translators I put on because I know they share an office with GRF, so I thought we'd have those on. Um, They're based in Glasgow. But lots and lots of different Bible Societies began to emerge. Mary kept bees and half the money she raised by selling honey and beeswax she gave to the Bible Society and the other half she gave to the Calvinist Methodists we don't know much about Mary's life we know that she lived to the age of 80 we know that she went blind towards the end of her life we know that she continued to love her Bible especially the Psalms and the Gospel of John but she never strayed far from home. And she was buried in the Calvinist Methodist ch- chapel graveyard at... Green Green. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that place. <laughs> yep, I've got it written down, but I'm going to try and say it. Today, the United Bible Societies comprise 146 member organisations and work in over 200 countries. The work that Mary inspired continues... To this day. So we're going to sing another amazing Welsh tune. Um, Although this time it is with English words written by an English Baptist minister who does have connections with Wales. So it's kind of okay. Open this book that we may see your word embodied in the drama of the earth. And in order to make it fit the tune, we need to sing the refrain twice. Thanks, Leo.
1: reading from the original translation, but this was given to me in 1968 from, and it's Mark translated, the British and Overseas Bible Society, even then, given to me by my maternal grandmother. And I was just thinking of the maths when Katrina was explaining the story. My maternal grandmother was born in 1894, which was 110 years after Mary Jones, and I'm clearing out my flat to move at the moment, and I have a family Bible that she was handed down from her ancestors. Uh, and so she would have been well over a hundred years old now so that Bible probably dates back to above Mary Jones' time mm-hmm. and is in my flat so it's been handed down probably by four or five generations anyway <coughs> y'r Lenol Sant Saint-Johan roedd er y gair a'r gair oedd gyda diw a diw oedd y gair hun oedd yn y dechreiad gyda diw a wneith bwyd peth Ac heb ddwy ef ni'n naeth bwyd dim ar y naeth bwyd. Yn ddwy ef yr oedd bywyd, a'r bywyd oedd y leini dynion, a'r gyleni sydd yn llywerchu yn y tywellwch, a'r tywellwch nid oedd yn am amgyffred. Yr yd oedd gwr wedi enfon o ddiwrth ddiw, a'i enw, i oan. Hwna ddaeth yn dystiolaeth, fel y tystiolaethau ym y gyleni, fel y credau pawb trwy ddwy ef. Nid y fe oedd y gleni, eithaf y fe a anfonasud fel y tystiolaethau am y gleni. Hw'n oedd y gwir o leidi, rhw'n sydd yn galeo pob dyn ar y sydd yn dyfod i'r byd. Yn y byd yr oedd y fe, ar byd a naeth bwy ar byd nid adnabuef. A de eiddo é hun y daith, a reiddo é hun Ond cynifer ag a'i derbyn i a roddau sydd ei ddallu fod yn feibion i ddiw, sef e'r sawl a gredant neu enw Naco Y rhaid ni aned o waid, nac o wellis y cnawd, nac o wellis gwr, Ar gair a wnaeth bwyd yn gnawd, ac yn ein ni, ac ni awelswm ei ogoniant def, gogoniant megis yr un i ddegedig wrth y tad.
2: So now we have some options. Um, just to let you know that we have now got a relay system. So what I'm seeing in here and what we're singing in here can all be heard in the room across the way. so if you, if you're somebody who likes to to do things with your hands but likes to listen, um, that is now possible. So we're kind of testing it out this week. So I'm sure Emma would be completely grateful if she had some people who here with her. Basically through there we've got some crafts, some colouring, um, some puzzles and things. In um, here we've also got some, some, uh, some colouring and, and some questions if you prefer to sit and think about them. And obviously I will be staying to speak in here. Um, so we will have some music. We can move around as much as we like. And, and, and then we will come back together after the reflection. The first thing that struck me about Mary Jones was how much harder I had to work to uncover her story than that of Mary Slatter and David Livingstone. Whilst there are quite a lot of children's books that tell of her trek to Bala to by a Bible, there are no biographies. Mary did not go on to become a missionary or a teacher, and while she was a stalwart supporter of the newly established Britain and Britain, British and Foreign Bible Society... She lived her life quietly and never moved more than a few miles from the tiny village where she grew up. She was a devout Calvinist Methodist, a mother, a weaver, a beekeeper. Just an ordinary person living an ordinary life. And that, for me, makes hers a really important story for us to share alongside those of people whose adventures and achievements are well known and celebrated. It is all too easy to hear of somebody's amazing achievements in whatever field it is and then become unhealthily or unhelpfully aware of our own limitations. Because we can't be an explorer or a missionary or a campaigner or whatever it is, we risk thinking too little of ourselves as if somehow to be ordinary is to fail as if the only people whose lives count are those who make it into the history books Mary was an ordinary Welsh girl whose aspirations were simple and realistic she wanted to be able to read the Bible in her own language, in her own home no more, no less and she achieved that A story is worth telling, if only for that reason. To remind us that it's perfectly okay to be ordinary. Perfectly fine not to aspire to or achieve greatness. Our task is just to be the best us we can be. Whatever form that takes. And I think recognising and naming that, Helps us to avoid the unhelpful traps of either inferiority or superiority, comparing ourselves to other people. Rather, it helps us to recognise the image of God in each other and the equality of all people in Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. Last week, as we thought about David Livingstone, we noted the limits of su- measuring success and failure and the helpful potential of setting our own stories in the context of the Christian story and the hope of a new creation. I think Mary gives us a really good example of that. She may not have achieved very much, humanly speaking, but her determination influenced Reverend Charles in Bala. And her story, quite probably alongside other similar ones, led to the emergence of what is now a global enterprise to make the Bible available to people everywhere in their own language a process that still goes on, there are many many languages into which the Bible has yet to be translated a drop in the bucket perhaps, an insignificant story (coughs) but part of something incredible and wonderful (coughs) I wonder who they are the Mary Jones that we have met along the way? <coughs> Who are the people whose ordinary everyday lives affected our own or those of others for good? Early this morning, I just put a quick post up on, on Facebook because I'm a bit like that, sharing what we were going to be doing this morning and our friend Jim Gordon put a comment and he said, Gwyneth White would have loved that. She would have loved the Welsh hymns and, and and the Welsh focus and the story of Mary Jones. And I thought, yeah, actually, do you know what? Gwyneth was a Mary Jones. Gwyneth was the wife of a man who was really important. But Gwyneth had her own story. And people like Jim will tell you to this day how significant Mary was in their lives. The ripples of Gwyneth's story go on through Jim, who is a pretty incredible theologian, and the people that he has taught and inspired and encouraged and so it carries on a little person doing what they do in Gwyneth's case I think cooking dinner for students at one point but it makes a difference so who are our Mary Joneses how can we be like Mary Jones for the people what is it that we do or have done that has impacted somebody else has made a difference to their life and so those ripples of our little thing continue to spread. A Welsh girl, inspired by her faith in Jesus, walked 26 miles barefoot to buy a Bible. I wonder what our faith inspires us to do.
1: Nu shulan hergian, heaven reaches ward, Meta das smachta, on his moda thunk. werk wulder far, swa he Ece tristen, or on stella. He earest shop, ervan barnum, Heaven to Rova, hallig shippend. då midden yard man The
2: second line of thought that came to me was from thinking about the history of the Bible as we know it and the ongoing quest to make its content available to ordinary people. Kaidemann's hymn, which we just heard, is pretty much incomprehensible to us. The old Wessex language <coughs> seems to me to have something of the lilt and cadence of Welsh or scots gaelic and I think the translation uh, of talking about humankind as, as Earth's bands shows that common heritage going away, way back. We can admire the beauty of it, but without translation, we haven't got a clue what it is we're admiring. And it was this dissonance that inspired Bede and Wycliffe, Tyndale, Coverdale, James VI, and countless others to make the Bible available in the language that ordinary people used. A recognition that if this book of books was to have meaning, people needed to be able to read it or hear it read in their own language and not be dependent on the interpretations (coughs) offered by priests whose Latin might be suspect whose Greek and Hebrew was probably non-existent and who may well have been in the pay of the local Lord. It's all very well that the prologue of the Gospel of John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But if the words we use to express that are incomprehensible, we undermine the very mystery we proclaim. According to the website of the United Bible Societies, you can get Bibles or part of Bibles in 542 languages, which sounds quite a lot to me. But there are actually around 6,900 languages spoken on this planet. In contrast to that, at the start of the since the, Sorry, since the start of the 20th century, something like 80 different English language versions have been published, some of them in more than one edition. Most of the, the sort of big, wealthy countries will have at least one translation and probably two, but actually some of those are very old. They haven't got up-to-date translations like we have. So it's really good, I think, for us to remind ourselves just the incredible privilege we have not just to be able to have the Bible in our own first language but if that language happens to be English to have oodles of translations to choose from. Mary Jones was a keen supporter of the Bible Society giving half the proceeds of her sales of honey and beeswax to fund its work. It's notable that when a special appeal was taken to produce a Chinese language translation for Hudson Taylor to take over to China, she donated half a sovereign. That's around about 50 pence equivalent in our time, but around about a third of a week's wages to that cause. Now, according to um, the interweb, which is not probably the most trustworthy thing under the sun, the average income or average wage salary whatever in the UK is around 24,000 pounds that's 2,000 um, pounds a month roughly so 500 pounds a week so basically we're saying that mary uh, sorry yeah that mary gave the equivalent of a couple of 100 quid to the bible society that's a pretty huge donation isn't it again she seems to me to be a helpful role model for us she did what she could and wasn't discouraged by what she couldn't do. And it made me wonder, what are the causes that are really important to us? Where does our regular planned giving go? And what about occasional targeted stuff? What does that look like? I'm not saying we should all be giving £200 to every cause that comes along, not at all. But it makes... She made me wonder, what is it that I'm willing to give to regularly? What is it I choose to give to occasionally
0: Ala e do nyana kana hale ay aka dinky ekelenpedi ko mo romen kana halaki nga aty ka nyarma ya bambali soro awi to dony ny haba, ba to mo obiedodumi balani se o mabitola ma mama merala bitera Naamu sirina na atinda yake za today au bibi yontru anenye zawa saudiwa kupi apa angi The pekora la. Tiboa wenamngo dunia uzo an tumbambili blyen sabini msingi tumbambikiye lana pamoja msingi kaseta. Rebiure don beniwa chong na miza kaya ma hiwa kaya na Car Dieu a tant aimé le monde
1: qu'il a donné son Fils unique, afin que quiconque croit en lui ne périsse point, mais qu'il ait la vie éternelle. Porque Deus tanto amou o mundo, que deu o seu filho unigênito, para que todo que nele crêne não pareçam, mas tenha a vida eterna.
0: Que doni tanga na ti jo da obu kumbi e que dono urekanag bara onambu
1: kira kase ti urekanu kuparga. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life.
2: An ordinary Welsh girl, an ordinary woman, made a difference. I've sometimes heard it said something along the lines of the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we turned the word back into, sorry, turned turned that back into words, put it in a book, closed it up and forgot about it. And those are quite harsh words, they're hard to hear. But whenever I hear something like that, I, I find myself very much challenged, both as a preacher and as a person, to think about what do I do with the scriptures and what difference do they really make in my life? Certainly there are intellectual and theological gymnastics to be done trying to work out what it means to say that Christ is God's word made flesh when the only way we can discover who he is is by means of reading or hearing the stories in the Bible. A book that's been translated and interpreted interpreted over the greater part of two millennia. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the philosophical arguments and semantics we don't hear the stories in plain language. If we come to these stories and listen to try to hear what God is saying to us rather than debating whether there really was a virgin birth or an actual resurrection and whether this word really means that or the other. What is it that those stories actually say to us that changes our lives? Kaidman. Wycliffe, James VI, Mary Jones, countless others through history recognise the Bible as more than just a collection of stories and poems. It is, in some mysterious way, the medium through which we may best encounter God's living, active word and find our lives transformed. May God continue to speak to our hearts and our minds as we participate in that story. What a friend we have in Jesus. You ever doubted that God has a sense of humour and that Holy Spirit works in mysterious ways? Well, I think this is one of them. You may or may not be aware that we are currently in the season of Pride celebrations, and yesterday was Pride London. And one of the symbols that is used by the LGBTQI community, and a plus <laughs> sometimes, I'm not very good at keeping up to date with this, is a rainbow. The prayers of intercession from the Welsh in this book use the rainbow as a symbol. They're not pride prayers, but they are prayers that use that same symbol. That seems somehow like a bit of God's sneaky humour to me anyway. Let's pray. Lord of the rainbow, hear our prayer as we praise your name in adoration. You are the purple of royalty and the wonder of miracles. How can we truly understand you? Because you are more than we can comprehend. You are Lord and King and we honour your name. Father, you are the indigo of our meditation. Hear our prayers of contemplation as we reach out to you and know that you are near. Help us to focus on you now and assure us of your presence. as we see the blue of sky and sea we are excited by the adventure and challenge hear our prayer for the young people who step out in hope may they discover the eternal truth in Jesus Christ and experience peace and grace Lord, the green of nature shows us the wonder of creation and the excitement of life we honour you for the well-being of our souls nourished by your blessing. Your land is always fertile and by you we are fed day by day. As the yellow of the sun shines on our lives we remember the warmth of your presence. We pray for the energy of your blessing and the joy of your fellowship. The orange will encourage us to be forever ready waiting for you and your word to appear in our lives. You are the vitality of life whose endurance will never die. Father, when we see the red in the rainbow of hope, we think of the church as ready for action. As we share fellowship with you, we are inspired and strengthened to work with you in the world. Lord, you are all the colours of the rainbow and your perfect nature is reflected in the sanctity of Jesus. In him we see the kaleidoscope of your grace at work. Lord of the rainbow, upon whose promises we depend, hear our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. loving God we know that you gladly accept our gifts great and small planned and spontaneous so as we bring these gifts we ask you to help us employ them wisely to continue to share the story of Jesus in a world in need of hope amen and you can't have a Welsh themed service without this one Guides me, oh my great redeemer. Let's take the roof off this place. Or at least the floor of the next room. <laughs> blessing we have a welsh prayer of (coughs) consecration we were made to worship to honor you and praise to channel and to offer you glory all our days help us to respond Lord to all that you have done in loving and in guiding in giving us your son lead us as we journey to seek to do your will our friend, our true companion, our guard and leader still. Lord, we humbly offer our lives, our service true, and all our gifts and talents to praise and honour you.